Hi there, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. My name's Amanda Pua Walsh, and I am the founder of Astrology Hub. And before we dive into this awesome episode today with somatic and Jungian astrologer Shireen Bishmaya, I wanted to make sure that you knew about a very exciting opportunity we have for you that's happening right now. If you've ever wanted to learn how to read an astrology chart, or you've tried learning, but you still don't have the confidence you need to provide the level of guidance and insight you'd like to be able to get from the chart, if you're a healer, a coach, a psychologist, or some other type of practitioner, and you're recognizing that astrology could be a really amazing complement to what you're doing already with your clients, and if you've ever, even for a tiny moment, considered becoming a professional astrologer, I'd love to invite you to join us for the summer session of Astrology Chart Reading Level 1, taught by our master astrologer, Donna Woodwell. You can go to astrologyhub.com slash chart and learn more now. We'll also put that link in the show notes. We've been honored to serve almost 1,000 students through this course over the last year, and the testimonials are outrageous. We hear things like this from Susan. This was one of the most empowering courses I've ever experienced in my life. I've met lifelong friends and feel surrounded by forever my soul family. I can never say thank you enough to Donna, Amanda, and the whole A-Team Angels. Or this from Mary. This course has been life-changing. I went from being incredibly skeptical of astrology, and I have now fallen in love with it. I want to learn all I can, and I'm so impressed with what you, Amanda, and all the astrologers you bring into Astrology Hub give to us. Or this from Linda. I'm bowled over to a degree never before encountered in any educational venue. Astrology Hub lives and breathes its mission of making astrology accessible to everyone, doing all in its power to ensure that each and every one of us succeeds in that endeavor. And that's from Linda Hill Schusler. The summer enrollment period closes on June 13th. So if you'd like to join the group that will be taking this 12-week journey together this summer, please make sure you enroll today. Just go to www.astrologyhub.com slash chart to learn more and join us now. And on to today's episode. I'm going to start by reading this quote from Jane Ritter Patrick from the Astrological Journal in 2014. This is what it says. The horoscope is music of the soul projected into the body. It is a graphic representation of the forces that vitalize and maintain your body. Bodily signs and symptoms can then be seen as communications of the soul, speaking in riddles that can be teased out and deciphered with the help of astrological symbolism. Paying close attention to symptoms allows the messages of the still, small voice within to be heard. Messages that constantly whisper clues about the way forward out of stuck places and into a fuller life. If this resonates with you, and if you have any mysterious symptoms in your body, you are going to love this episode. Shireen brings a very unique somatic approach to astrology that very few talk about. In today's episode, you'll learn how energy is stored in the body and how working with astrology can help you to unlock and release that energy the benefits of moving the energy in your body, using astrological timing to highlight which things might be ready to heal and shift. As a Jungian astrologer, Shireen has a special interest in shadow work. So we talk about this, why so many astrologers are drawn to Jung's work, and we go through the 12 zodiac signs and discuss the shadow side of each one. That was really fun. 
We also cover the upcoming 2020 Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and what Shireen believes the astrology says this holds for all of us. A little more about our guest today. Shireen Vishmaya, MA, is a Jungian analyst, author, and professional astrologer in private practice in New York City, San Francisco, and India for the past 18 years, consulting, writing, and teaching. She specializes in depression, shadow work, anxiety, creative blocks, eating disorders, and relationships. Shireen has pioneered her own unique approach to Jungian and somatic healing modalities combined with her background in metaphysics inspired by her yearly pilgrimages to India. So now's that very special time for you to open your heart and your mind and prepare yourself to receive the wisdom that Shireen has to share. Enjoy. Shireen, it is so wonderful to have you here today on the Astrology Hub podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Amanda. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, I know. We got to be exposed to your work for the first time during our summit last fall. And just, I loved everything that you did and the way that you brought in the body work and all that into astrology. It's so unique and so needed. Yeah, definitely needed. I agree. And I'm noticing people are craving it more than ever. Okay. Well, we're going to dive into that here in a sec. For those that are going, what? What is that? What is that? <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about how you came to astrology. Like, how did your path begin? Well, interestingly enough, uh, when I was in fourth grade, I love telling this story, my mother had a copy of Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, and I took it off the shelf, and I was flipping through it, of course, trying to read about all my friends. And when I read myself, I felt like, oh my God, finally somebody understands when I read Scorpio. <laughs> I was like, somebody finally understands my soul. <laughs> and it was so comforting. And then reading my friends and just seeing like that inner, even fourth grade psychologist in me was so excited to find some language that described what I was experiencing and witnessing in the personalities around me. So I, that was it. I was sold. <laughs> wow, I love that. I might my, my one of my daughters is in fourth grade, so I can really imagine that you know. And I did my first my first reading for her a few months ago, and it it was so amazing to watch her. That same thing you just described, you know, especially when we talk because she has a lot of Scorpio in her chart. So when we talked about that, it, it was just amazing to see her light up. Like, oh wow, yeah, yeah, I do feel that way, and just to be seen, you know. Yes. And um, I think the beauty of astrology is that it gives, we're always saying, oh, we should try to understand other people put, you know, walk in their shoes. And it's like, this is an actual language that allows you to try to put yourself in the position of the other without judging and realizing we're, we're all so unique and yet also interconnected because we all have all 12 signs within us, but in a different arrangement, right? Yes. It's like that, the word that comes to mind while you're saying that is appreciation, it enables us to appreciate the differences and, and see that, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone for being wired the way they are. That's the way they're wired and it's different than you and that's okay and it can be celebrated. So yeah, very nice. Okay, so tell us about the somatic angle because you, you're blending astrology, the somatic therapy, and also psychology into your practice. So let's start with the somatic piece. What is that? Well, I think because my background was in gymnastics and dance for many, many years. And when I, I had the dilemma when I went to pursue my psychological studies of, but I love dance, I love movement, like 
there's got to be a way to integrate that. And I didn't necessarily want to become a dance therapist from the way it was presented to me at the time, but I really felt that the body needed to be included somehow in the healing. I just always had a sense of that. So what I did is I went more of the traditional route into clinical psychology, but then when I started doing my work uh, in my private practice and doing workshops, I kept hitting a wall with trying to get this, get to certain levels through the mind and even through the astrology. Like when we were dealing with stuff that I could, I could see in my clients was stuck in the body. That's where my, my background in dance came in. And I thought, I really just want to share, let, let's experiment with music, with movement, and just see if we can get to some, I could just feel there's a lot of pent up emotion and anger and sadness that I just couldn't find a way to get my clients to release through talking. It just wasn't enough. I really felt that. And I knew for me how therapeutic dance was. So a lot of it was pretty, um, this was back in the 90s, pretty experimental in workshops. But quite quickly, I discovered through just having women kind of try out movement and music and dance, like not dance, but authentic movement, that this was an outlet. I mean, kind of a mind-blowing amount of energy that needed expression. And one of my favorite dancers, Martha Graham, one of my favorite quotes is, the body doesn't lie. And I really saw this because we can hide behind persona, we can lie to ourselves even, but when you start to move, when you just allow the emotions to move through the body, and emotions need to emote, they need to move, it's feeling in motion. So how do we get those feelings to move through the, for me, it's through music and dance. And actually, I was, as I mentioned right before we started um, talking, you know, on tape, we were, I mentioned I had just come from this uh, odyssey, this Jungian odyssey with all of these Jungian analysts, psychoanalysts. And it's very interesting timing with the current astrology because one of the major topics we were talking about is rupture and repair. And they were trying to understand how, like, what are the means to repair? You know, rupture is inevitable in human experience. But how do we repair? How do we emotionally repair the traumatic experiences in our life? And one of the um, analysts had been studying music and Arabic music specifically. And he was very interested in the idea that music as a container could help heal all of those dissonant parts of ourselves that were having difficulty coming together. In other words, you know, we can't reconcile those insoluble problems, you know, that we might talk about for years, we might keep repeating in our relationships for years and years, but we never come to resolution. And he said music was this magical container, what he found that we could feel held and we could hold those parts of ourselves, those disparate parts of ourselves that maybe aren't about coming to resolution. What if music was the container that could just hold the, all of the pieces for us? Mm, wow. That we're not actually going to reconcile. Right. Yes. I mean, that, that's the thing is that this goal of repair or reconcile is like, well, maybe it's just, we're just sort of meant to be with the pain or with the experience. And hold it and let it become part of us in a way that enhances the richness of the human experience. I love what you're talking about. I have a background in dance as well. And I still dance hula, which is for me, I mean, hula means to move energy. That's what the word actually means. And so that's what we're doing when we're dancing is we're moving energy. But I'm wondering, are you finding that this works kind of universally or are there some people more wired for, for the need to express through the body? Or, you know, like some people, maybe they can do it by just staying in the mind, but others have to go into the body. Or are you finding it like everybody benefits from this? 
I th- that's a great question. That's a great question, and I don't have the answer for that. But I have been finding that there's a collective movement to needing. I think we all need embodiment. I mean, regardless of the different amalgam of our elements, obviously, I think people who are lacking earth are probably craving more embodiment because it's more foreign, but they might also resist it more. But and some people might be very happy to just live in their heads and they don't want out. <laughs> they want nothing to do with the body and you can't convince them otherwise. So it's maybe a matter of opinion. Um, but the healing, I really feel, has to come through the embodiment. However people get there, dance might not be the way for everyone. Music might not be the way for everyone. Some people might just want acupuncture or massage or um, they might do it through a certain kind of meditation or yoga. So it may be that there are different modalities that get people to it, but to not include the body in the healing, I don't know if that's really possible. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the body for me has been such a doorway to spirituality in general. Like it was, it was my first place that started me to open up and, and get to sense and feel more in the universe, you know, than meets the eye, but it was, it was through the body. So interesting. Now, how do you tie in this somatic piece and the psychological piece with astrology? Like, where does astrology come into your practice? The astrology is the archetypal, for me, it's the archetypal backdrop. So when I'm, actually what I do in the, I actually just taught a workshop here last night. We had this amazing thunder and lightning storm going on too. (laughs) Ooh, in New York City? In New York City. Oh, I used to love that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love it. I miss it living on the West Coast. I really miss the thunderstorms. So for me, it was like a dream to have. And it started right as we were about to dance. It was pretty mythic. Epic. Wow. Epic is the word. <laughs> and um, so getting back to the astrology. So the workshop was created around the archetypal background of the current astrology. So the soundtrack I create is influenced by the current. Stronger, we could say, I mean, there's stronger currents happening in the background. Like we all know we're in Gemini season. So what I notice is my clients will respond more to music of that ilk. In other words, when we're in Gemini, the music's probably going to be a little more um, whimsical. Um, although there's a heaviness with the Saturn, Pluto, South Node, and Capricorn. So there, that's there too. So some of the heavier songs too. So it was a mix. And Gemini is all about the duality. So I really noticed people were responding last night to songs that had a lot to do with that kind of inner struggle, the tension of the opposites. But so there was kind of like a mix of whimsical and heavy for the, the Saturn, right? So it's, it's an art in itself to create the soundtrack, of course. And then there's my own personal music bias. So it's not a pure system by any means. But I do feel that people respond to different music at different times because I, I notice with soundtracks that you create or even songs that are popular, or even movies that are popular, you can see the, the archetypal background, the influence in the collective zeitgeist, right? Of what we're, what we're longing for. What I noticed last night is people were holding a lot of pain. This current astrology is really dredging up a lot of deep, I don't know, it feels very archaic, like just, or just not archaic, ancient ancient pain and longing and um, just a need to express because our bodies can't handle that level of just carrying that around. So when I saw people, especially in the city, New York City, I mean, it's a very dense energy already here. But it's also what I love because people are very passionate here and they're willing to go deep. So the, the astrology plays in in terms of the, the backdrop, the, the influence that whether we could, 
in a way, even say astrology is a little bit like the soundtrack of our lives, right? Or some people say it's the weather forecast, and it's how we're interacting with the elements that are present. And, and we have many different elements at the moment, right? We've got the sun in Gemini, which is very whimsical air energy. And then we've got, like I said, all of that heavy earth, Capricorn, Saturn, old in the body. Speaking of embodiment, the earth signs are where we really get into the embodiment piece. Mm, okay. So in, like, in addition to the workshops and using it as the backdrop to... I love that. You're basically like setting the stage or setting the tone with the astrology and bringing that through and the dance and the music. That's really cool. What about when you meet with people one-on-one? How do you integrate the somatic, astrological, and psychological experience? A good question, Amanda. So what I'll do is I'll read the chart. You know, we'll work with the the horoscope, the chart. I usually work with the the natal chart, the progressions, if they've had a recent solar return. And um, we look at that. We look at those charts. I'll also use the chart of the moment. Like I look at what's happening right now and how that interacts with those other charts. And then based on those, all of those, um, you know, depending on what's highlighted for that person at that moment when we're meeting, we'll then delve into how that might be going on for them somatically, like what's happening in the body. You can see a lot of it in the, in the horoscope, which is fascinating. And just like any consultation, it's usually a, a dynamic where the client and the chart are informing each other. I always say it's not like I don't just stare at a chart and pretend there's not a human being right there next to me. It's like the level to the person I'm reading, the, to the level that they're conscious is often what is going to be showing up for me in the chart, I've noticed. So if they're um, somatically inclined, we could say, like if they've done a lot of body work, if they're open to that, that's probably a language that we're going to speak. If not, maybe they show up with certain symptoms. You know, I might ask, like, you know, what's happening for you physically? Do you have, like, some people might have a, re- like, a chronic backache, lower backache. We might look at, okay, what's going on in the Libra area of the chart? So I, I look at it in that way. Or if they have, you know, there's an illness that keeps resurfacing, we might look at the transits happening when the, that illness is happening and which planets are involved. So that's the, I don't know if that helps. Oh, totally. Can you give us just a few examples of how you, you like looking at a chart and how you might um, tie that in with the body? A lot of people have been coming to me recently that, you know, maybe this is because Uranus is in Taurus and it's trying to bring our attention to the voice and to the body. I think this is why the discussions about embodiment are becoming more popular, which is amazing. I love that. But a lot of people have been coming to me recently about throat issues, which is Taurus. So let's say you have... Um, your Chiron in early degrees of Taurus, you're getting right now that hit of Uranus, which just went into Taurus recently, right? Hitting this part of you where there's a a wound, there's a weakness, but it's also trying to bring attention to that part of the body. So maybe it has to do with communication, the throat. Maybe it has to do with some, you know, words unspoken, or it can be like your creative voice as well. Like sometimes I notice when people have a fear around self-expression, it can show up in throat, the throat area, or something new is trying to break through a new energy, a new creative voice is trying to break through. So that would be a parallel. So in other words, we would see, see the archetypes, we would see the influence now of this transit hitting a very, you know, sensitive point in the chart, and then we would refer it back to the body. So that, that's one that's actually been coming up a lot recently. Saturn tends to show us chronic issues in the chart. So when people are having particular Saturn transits, and right now, since Saturn is so strong in the collective, we're having this all summer long with the Saturn south node, you know, they're just like one-on-one right now. If people have planets around those 
uh, degrees of a cardinal sign, and that's indicated in a health or body issue, that's going to really be flaring up right now. It's going to be really highlighted. So for instance, Saturn often has to do with uh, skin, hair, teeth, and bones. So there may be issues on that level. And then if you have Saturn in difficult aspect with another planet that let's say it's governing, like let's say you have like a lot of planets in Aries getting triggered by this Saturn, Saturn, Pluto, South Node energy. Maybe your migraines are flaring up because Aries rules the head. Maybe you have to be more sensitive to that or even dehydration is an issue with strong Saturn because of the dryness that we have to watch for. I notice people that are prone to migraines that are getting hit by this. That's, that's an indication of something flaring up right now. That's so interesting. I uh, have so much Saturn in my chart and I, um, I have to be so aware of drinking water. Like I am so prone to getting dehydrated so quickly and, and then everything go- gets off. Like if I, once I get dehydrated, it's like, it's like the snowball of like not goodness. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Okay. So the other piece is this Jungian. We hear from a lot of astrologers who are very much into the work of Carl Jung. And like, why do you think that is? Why do you think astrology and Jung like go together so perfectly? Oh, definitely. Well, he was a mystic for one thing. And, you know, astrology is a psychological language. I mean, this is what we're using it for. So of all, I would say of all the schools of psychology, it's the most compatible because it's dealing with archetypes. Astrology is an archetypal language. Jung actually used astrology with his clients in his later years. He would have his daughter draw up charts. I think astrologers are looking for something, like they're looking for a way to translate the horoscope into not just a psychological language, but a a psychological language that is also spiritual. And that there are really no other branches of psychology that do this. There's depth psychology, which might come the closest, but especially now there's also this influence with alchemy between astrology and alchemy, which I'm also very interested in. And that is a Jungian specialty, I guess you could say. (laughs) Carl Jung was very interested in alchemy. It's Carl Jung, but also like ancient. And and astrologers used to be alchemists, right? Right. Carl Jung is the one that brought it into psychology. He's the one that made the parallel using the the template or the process of alchemy and, and making the connection of this is what happens in psychoanalysis. And now astrologers are taking it from Carl Jung and saying this is what happens in transits. I mean, the transits are what are, some people might say, causing, some people might say reflecting those psychological uh, transmutations, you know, those deeper, like, basically in alchemy, what's happening is that we're taking all of the unconscious material. And by virtue of making it conscious, it's a messy process of like dredging up all of your shadow material and trying to make it conscious. And the, the process that you go through, you could see that in a Pluto transit, obviously, you could see that in the Saturn transit, you could even see it in a Venus retrograde, which is very connected to alchemy, in fact, the 40-day parallel, right? So I think that that's definitely one reason. Obviously, as quotes are really resonating with our need to do all this deep shadow work now. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the shadow work. Why do you say the need to do the deep shadow work now? I mean, we always need it. But I think the reason it's finally coming into the mainstream is in one way we could, you know, we could certainly say, well, Saturn in the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn in metaphysics is the archetype of the devil, which is the shadow. Did you know that? Well, I, well we had someone on recently who did the tarot and, and, and the link between tarot and astrology and, and the devil was Capricorn. I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Capricorn? Yeah. Oh. 
I mean, I guess, I guess we could see it a lot of like positive ways, but it's, it doesn't sound so good. <laughs> I know it is, it, it, you know, it's <laughs> because obviously that's, it, that's just one system of like a, an image that we would use, but yes, it's very important because the devil is a very high energy. Actually, it's, it's, you know, it's a fallen angel, right? So it's the idea of, and if we're looking at this now with this very intense concentration of devil archetype, what it teaches us is looking at where we've given our power away, you know, because the, if you look at all of the depictions of the devil archetype, it's, it's this kind of ridiculously exaggerated beastly figure. It was kind of silly. That's why Capricorns always have, I say, always have the best sense of humor because they know how to laugh at themselves. And the whole thing with that character is you can't really take it seriously. If you really look at the devil card, you can't really be afraid of that figure. He looks ridiculous. Right. So I think the lesson through Capricorn is realizing a lot of the, of our fears are kind of, if we really look at them, they're a little bit ridiculous, you know? And a lot of things we project, you know? Anyway, the thing I love about that card is that those figures, the two, there's a man and a woman, you know, under the chain of the devil, but they could take those chains off their neck. They're wearing them freely. I mean, they're big. You can see they could just go like this. Why are they down there? You know, why are they choosing that position? So often we do, like people will say, I can't quit this job. I'm miserable, I'm in hell. My boss is the devil, right? But you could quit. I mean, really, like, but they're like, but I make so much money. That's the devil. Or I'm in this relationship. People say, but you're miserable in this relationship. This relationship is so toxic. That person has so much control over you. Oh, but we have amazing sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always like, something. Right, right. So that's the devil. And it, so it's a, the devil is a great teacher. And the shadow is when we start to project whatever guilt, fear, or shame, or whatever we decided, basically the shadow starts around age seven. Anything we've decided that we don't, we want to say is not a part of us, we feel is unlovable, we start to put in the other category. And that builds the big shadow. And then the projection starts like, oh, those people are bad, that thing. I'm, I would never be like that. You know, the judgment starts. So the devil is the way back through to reclaim all of that negativity and everything you've put out there, you have to take it back on, you know, and transmute it into love because it's like the two emotions, love and fear, right? So the lovers, if you look in the tarot, is the opposite of the devil. It looks like the same image, the six, 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 the devil. It's so funny because the devils, they're both sixes. The lovers is a six and devil is 15, the six. So it's just, it's like really an inversion of love. It's just love gone awry. And often, you know, Capricorn being the earth sign, it's where we give too much power to the material world in a negative way, where it has a hold of us. We're all learning this now, right? Collectively, we're really seeing like where our guilt, fear, shame, lust, greed can get us into those, get us shackled. I, I really love what you're saying. Wow. It's just, it's such a nice perspective on it. I remember having this moment kind of contemplating Saturn and fear and having this moment of like, wait, Saturn isn't something for me to be afraid of. Saturn is just teaching me about fear and how fear operates and how fear keeps us stuck and shackled, like you're saying. So I think the invitation for everybody listening right now is to look at the different areas of life. Where do you have those shackles around your, your neck that you could just take off? You know, but for whatever reason that the movie screen looks way too scary to do that. And so you're staying stuck, but do you really need to be? Like, could you just take the chains off? Right. And, or laugh. Like sometimes it's like, la like some of the way through is laughing at how seriously we take certain things about 
Oh my God, totally. You know? Yes. And I, did you know, one of the things I love that I share a lot is um, I actually did this laughter yoga training that I loved when I was in India. And it was such a gift because it was actually when I started my Capricorn progress cycle. <laughs> so it was perfect. <laughs> so I wouldn't start taking myself too seriously. So the, the thing I learned in this laughter yoga is that our body does not know the difference if we're fake laughing or real laughing. And that laughter creates hormones that reduces all the stress hormones. The, the way the body responds, even fake laughter, isn't that amazing? Like even it doesn't know the difference. So we'll do it as therapy, even if you don't find anything funny. And often when you start laughing fake, you'll actually start thinking that's funny. You know, <laughs> you, know? you can't agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wow, this is funny. I know. It's contagious. So a lot of times in my retreats and workshops, I'll just like try to get people to crack each other up for a while just to get break the ice, you know? So I think that's really important medicine right now for our bodies, for this Capricorn energy and for taking the shackles off because if you can laugh at it and you've probably heard this one too about um, fear is false evidence appearing real. It's like an, ac an acronym for that. So I always try to remember that too when I feel like in the grips of fear. But if you can't get to that place because you're still too in your head, then the laughter. Do you remember Ed McMahon from Johnny Carson? Yes. From what? what? Remember how he would do like the fake laugh, like when Johnny Carson would tell a bad joke and he would just like, it always sounded kind of fake, but that was his job on the show was just to sit in Johnny Carson and just be like, oh, 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 like that. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. So this is the, the second invitation is to look at all the places where you're taking things too seriously and just start to laugh. I mean, you can just listen to Shireen do that again on like repeat and you'll probably start laughing. Oh my gosh, that's so good. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more about the shadow of the astrological signs. So what, what might people be prone to if they have a lot of X in their chart? Like, could we go through the signs? Yeah, yeah, I think that's very useful. Actually, I have, it's so funny because on my website, I have a thing that when you go to my website, it's called Shadows of the Zodiac. So this is my specialty. <laughs> Perfect. So you, so you can just rattle it off. You, you got this down. Yeah, I can just fire these off. So should we just go through all 12? Yeah, let's do it. Of course, I don't want to leave anybody out. So Aries, we'll start with Aries. Shadow is when the anger and the frustrations are not integrated because it's a Mars ruled sign. So again, the headaches, like when frustrations are just pent up in the body and there's not that kind of ability to burn through. Aries, you know, they can burn through anger very quickly but they need to burn through it. The danger is when they feel they can't express the frustration. And sometimes they need to just have a little temper tantrum, Aries, you know, in the right space and time, of course. <laughs> so that's, that's an obvious one for Aries. Taurus, it's fixed earth. So the shadow often has to do with the fear of change or letting go. It can be stagnant. The shadow of Taurus is stagnation, I would say. So it can show up with food issues, you know, like that's kind of a, a reenactment of stagnation, you know, just like eating to the point where you can't really move, like keeping you stuck. Taurus often it can manifest that way or with money, like hoarding, hoarding money, hoarding objects that can be some shadow Taurus stuff because it's about not wanting to let go and a fear of not having enough because it's the stuff. It's the stuff sign. <laughs> Gemini shadow is the duplicity. You know, it's the trickster, like kind of lying or getting away, trying to like, you know, being caught stealing kind of energy. <laughs> and not even remembering that they're living a double life, you know, in some ways that can be a Gemini thing. Or the obsession with um, being right, you know, I think the Gemini shadow being Sagittarius can often be, um, you know, 
by the way, which is an interesting way to look at shadow is often your opposite sign cross from you in the Zodiac will reveal a little bit of your shadow energies if they're not integrated consciously. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the shadow would be that kind of, you know, I know everything or too, too much talking, too much thinking. Cancer, the shadow being Capricorn, if you think about cancers, it's a cardinal water sign. It's very emotional and can be very moody. I think the shadow for cancer can be like the walling up, like that, you know, uh, fear of being hurt or rejected to the point where they just shut down completely, just wall off, like the defense is being a little too rigid. Leo, the shadow is Aquarius, so it and it's fixed fire. So the shadow for Leo, the <laughs> little bit of forgetting that there's, you know, other people involved, that bringing in the group, you know, wanting to just kind of steal the spotlight, sort of, you know, <laughs> being all about the, the, the Leo. <laughs> so uh, how would we put that? I guess, you know, the diva, maybe. That, that's not always a negative thing, though. So it's a little bit, you know, but it can be like if the too much, uh, wanting too much of the spotlight, stealing the spotlight can be a Leo issue. Virgo neurosis. I think with Virgo, the shadow is like, because we have the Pisces dynamic, it's like really when you get to the point of like hypochondria and worrying yourself sick, you know, with imagined fears is Virgo. And of course, also we can sometimes have the perfectionism of Virgo too as a shadow element. Libra is like the passive aggressive shadow <laughs> because they have also difficulty integrating that Aries direct frustrate, you know, the anger, they, and they want to keep the peace. So there can be often this sort of passive aggressive shadow energy that they have to integrate. And sometimes codependency also with Libra because it's such a partnering sign. And Libra is cardinal air. So we have the, the challenges of how does Libra maintain sense of self while wanting to always, you know, please the other. Scorpio, again, now we're getting to the opposite of Taurus. So also difficulty in letting go. So it can be a shadow of control, um, possessiveness, similar to Taurus, but it's more on the emotional side, less on the physical side. Taurus, you're going to see it more with money and food. Scorpio, you're going to see it with emotional responses. Sagittarius, again, being the opposite of Gemini. Sagittarius can also have a shadow of duplicity, shadow of like the preacher, the know-it-all, you know, very similar to Gemini, but it's more through the fire of like, I just know, believe what I believe, you know, and also overdoing. Sagittarius can have an overdoing, like overkill shadow. Capricorn, which we talked about a lot, is, um, you know, the I feel like it's fear. I feel like it's um, not knowing how to integrate the insecurities of cancers. Cancers are dealing with emotional insecurities. And, and Capricorn wants to have a sense of, you know, being a cardinal earth sign. It feels like it kind of has to always be responsible for everyone. So there can be the shadow of like allowing, also allowing yourself to be taken care of and nurtured because you're always worrying and taking, you know, you're always in the position of responsibility for others. Aquarius, the shadow is Leo. So it's like often they hide in the background when they could be on the stage. So the shadow could be like that, that interesting polarity with the diva of Leo. So the Aquarians, I think their issue is sometimes a little bit too much hiding, fading into the background and supporting every, like being the wind beneath the wings, supporting everyone else's dreams. And they need to come out and shine on their own. Um, and then Pisces shadow, often it's a victim complex. Pisces are often like, you know, because they're the empaths of the Zodiac and then they can get caught up in like everything, you know, everything's happened to me, you know, and I, they suffer. So if it's unconscious, it can be definitely the victim martyr complex. <laughs> so a little tour. And so what you find is when people are aware of their shadow, what happens? Like 
okay, I'm aware, now what? It's not comfortable. So either, you know, often relationships are the the mirror, right? And so our tendency first is to try to either blame or deny or just keep it on the partner <laughs> or the other, the neighbor, whatever it is. So when we when we first become aware of our shadow, it's humbling. I think it's humbling. I think it's first humbling, maybe embarrassing, maybe challenging, and then it becomes empowering on the other side because then nobody can have power over you. Again, going back to the devil archetype, if you own your shadow, people cannot manipulate you with it, you know, because you're like, some, nobody could be like, yeah, but you're this because you'll be like, I know. <laughs> I know. That is, you're right. <laughs> done that. Yeah. <laughs> like you own it. So people cannot guilt trip you. They can't guilt trip you. They can't use fear, right? They can't use those tactics on you. So that's a good motivation for doing the shadow work. That's powerful. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Shireen, let's talk about the upcoming year, like the year ahead, the upcoming Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. What are you, how are you feeling about that energy? I know there's lots of conversation about what that might mean for us. How are you tuning into that? I think it's, it's about the, I, I would like to say it is, and you know, just because there's so much to say about it, but in light of this conversation, probably what one aspect that's very useful is to think about it as amplifying the potential healing and wisdom of the shadow because Jupiter amplifies, Jupiter amplifies. So if we think about bringing the shadow work into consciousness, maybe it has to be exaggerated and we're seeing that collectively. We're definitely seeing an exaggeration of the shadow of our collective shadow, right? Everybody wants to blame this person, but the whole world, it doesn't, you know, we could blame what's going on in the United, you know, I don't want to get into that, but it's happening all over the world. It's not just what's happening in America, right? We have our issues with our government. But again, if we're like, if we want that to change, we've got to do our own individual shadow work and then that will change the collective. That will change the collective. So I hope that that transit inspires people that are, are still resistant or still unconscious to do the work and not do the spiritual bypassing version of it either. Because Saturn will not allow the bypassing. Jupiter might. Jupiter might be like, ooh, let's just go to the party version. Let's go to the let's go to the bhakti fest. Like static dance? <laughs> you know, let's just do the like, yeah, the like let's put on the cute yoga clothes and just call it spiritual. <laughs> and Saturn's like, yeah, but you know, are you gonna actually sit down and like face the hairy monster in the mirror that is really everything you've pushed under the rug since you were seven years old. <laughs> mm, wow. Right? Jeez. So what, like for people that don't know what spiritual bypassing is, what, what I mean, you, you sort of gave a picture there, but not everybody knows what that means. Yeah. It's like when you're, you know, you're like using your spiritual practices. You're like, basically like, I'm a good person. I go to yoga, yoga class. I wear Lululemon. I, what are you talking about? <laughs> I meditate. Right. I meditate. I, the, you know, it's easy to do that or to just be like, I'm going to go to India or whatever. Like, but it's okay. Well, actually you cannot go to India and be a spiritual bypasser. India will not let you. That's one thing. That's why I love that country. It's not going to happen. You cannot escape yourself in India. Um, but it means that we have to face ourselves and we have to do the work. And even one thing Carl Jung said that was very helpful about this is that Westerners a lot of times want to just jump up to the upper chakras, you know, just want to be all enlightened. And the way up, it's like an elevator. It's not safe. You can't skip the lower floors. You can't skip the rootedness. You can't skip the, um, you know, the specifics in your life. 
you know, it's not like you become enlightened by one of his quotes of like by imagining figures of light. This, it doesn't work like that. You don't, that's not how enlightenment works. It works by going, digging deep into the dark roots, which are specifics in your life. So it's not like oh, I had this family drama, but if I just go off to this Vipassana meditation, it's going to be all, but of course there, you're not going to escape yourself either, right? If you try that, you're going to be sitting with your material all week, right? But in other words, whatever it is, you know, um, I'm going to just drink, you know, matcha every day. But are you looking at the way you're treating your partner? Are you looking at the relationship that you still unresolved with your mother or your father or your own, the way you, you know, the way you treat uh, the weight stuff? Like you're calling yourself a spiritual person and you don't tip and you're nasty. You don't have patience, those kind of things, right? So it shows up in the particulars. It shows up in the specific interactions. And that's where the work is. It's in the, it's in the day-to-day, like the baking the bread, right? As I say, or the, it's, it's the small Wow. I really like that. I haven't heard anybody describe it that way in the specifics. That's really good. And the other thing about Saturn is responsibility, right? So it's, it's this opportunity to take self-responsibility for our lives, for our actions. And that's not to be hard on ourselves because that would be a shadow, right? Of Saturn is like, you know, to berate yourself. We're not being perfect. Right. You want to to take responsibility. You want to mature. Like, you know, Saturn, Saturn requires a level of maturity, which is, which happens by repetition, which happens by consistency and showing up. In Jungian psychology, they say, actually, in order to get to the subtle work, you first have to be so rooted in your life. Again, in the day to day, it's like you show up for the the things that you don't want to do. And how well do you show up for those things? You got to do that before you can be like, all right, and now I'm doing 12 rounds of pranayama. I mean, you can do that, but it's like, that's not going to indicate your level, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this, Shereen. You are awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. I love the way that you're seamlessly integrating these, uh, these modalities. That's what it feels like to me is like this, they're not really treated as three separate things. It's like this seamless integration of, of the, um, different, areas of expertise that you're bringing to the table. And it's really, really refreshing. So thank you. Okay. So Shireen, for anybody who would like to work with you, study with you, how do they learn more about you? Okay. Well, my website, shireenvishmaya.com. And I'm going to be launching a new, um, I do these 40 day journeys, these Jungian alchemy journeys, um, where we incorporate the astrology, the tarot and the psychology. So I'm going to be launching the next one on the summer solstice. So I'd love to invite people to participate in that and find out that's on my website. And then I have a retreat coming up in Italy in Anacapri in uh, September, which will be the next big thing. Ooh. And yeah, where we integrate the somatic work and the astrology in person, which is my, my favorite in a, in a magical setting. So Wow. Oh, how amazing. Yeah. What a cool life you have. <laughs> and this is just inspiring for other people out there. You know, there are some really cool vocations. You know, there are some really cool paths that you can go down and you're living it. You're a living example of that. So thank you, Shireen. Can you spell shireenvishmaya.com? Absolutely. Yes. It's, I know it sounds like there's an H in it, but it's not because it's Sanskrit. So my first name is S-H-E-R-E-N-E and then it's V-I-S-M-A-Y-A.com. Perfect. All right. We'll put that in the show notes to you guys, but um, just in case you want to write it down right now. Okay. Thank you. This was wonderful. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you. Well, what did you think? Did that give you some answers to some questions that maybe you've been sitting with? I hope you loved this episode. I know I did. Before we sign off, just another reminder for any of you interested in getting the best 
most thorough and foundational astrology chart reading training possible to check out our astrology chart reading level one course with Donna Woodwell. Just go to astrologyhub.com slash chart to learn more and register before doors close on June 13th. I want to thank you very much for being here, for tuning into this podcast, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. Are you ready to learn more about astrology, take your work with the moon cycles to the next level, and experience what it feels like to be supported by a thriving community of like-minded and like-hearted souls? Then we have the place for you. Join Astrology Hub's Inner Circle, a global community dedicated to spiritual growth, lunar forecasts, and mastery classes with leading astrologers. Simply go to astrologyhub.com slash inner circle to learn more and join us today. Reconnect with your childlike wonder of the universe and rediscover your place and purpose in it all. Join our inner circle today. Visit astrologyhub.com slash inner circle and get in our inner circle today. Hi, this is Chris Kaplan, the producer of the Astrology Hub podcast. This episode is over, but check the show notes for links to products and services you've heard about during this episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and rate using the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts.